Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now What's up, and welcome to another exciting edition of Bearded B-Roll. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mike, just two bearded dudes here to chat about all the movies you love, hate, don't mind, or simply never heard of. Color out of space. Color out of space. Welcome back to another episode of Bearded B-Roll. This is Freaky Fridays, and today we're talking about the movie The Color Out of Space. Do it again, that was bad. You sound like a robot when you do it. Welcome <clears> to <throat> another episode of Bearded oh B-Roll. Yeah, it shame, is freaky. Shame, shame, shame. Keep this in. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Bearded B-Roll. This is Freaky Fridays, and we're talking about the movie The Color Out of Space, starring Nicolas Cage. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mike. And the title is Color Out of Space. Not That's what I said. What color. did I say? You said no, The Color. It's The, the story it's the. was called The Color. I, we're not talking whatever. about we're talking about the movie listen listen i also in my notes spelled it the way that he spells color in the book or the short story with a u for no reason i think that's the european like british spelling fancy that's when they used to add no i think it's just like the old timey way when we used to add a whole bunch of extra letters to stuff that were all silent not relevant to the movie at all so color out of space is a movie about a family who witnessed a meteor crash and then a whole bunch of like crazy paranormal events start to happen around them um after the the meteor kind of like disappears into their water table i guess it should be noted that uh this is uh based off an hp lovecraft story so cosmic horror is what you're in store for when you watch this and the opening monologue of the story is taken directly from the original text I thought you were about to quote it, so I was like, waiting, but I guess not. All right, fine. I, I didn't memorize it. The movie was released in 2019, directed by Richard Stanley, uh, for about $6 million, but it only grossed about a million dollars in the box office. Um, yeah, I guess, because what's funny about that is then it's actually like rated 86% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's got like a 6.2 out of 10 on, on IMDb, which is pretty good. So, Nicolas Cage, Jolie Richardson, Tommy Chong only notable people in the entire movie. And um, it opens with like a weird ass scene of a girl named Lavinia doing some kind of like Wiccan ritual. By Can we mention her name? Because where the fuck did that come from? Everybody else has pretty normal names. Because as soon as I heard it, I was like, wow, that's weird. Because Lavinia was actually a, a character in Shakespeare's Titus Andronicus. She's Titus Andronicus's daughter. Um, she refuses to become the empress to the new emperor Saturnine. Then she is later raped and mutilated by two characters, brothers named Chiron and Demetrius. 
and they cut off her hands and cut out her tongue to eliminate any form of communication so she can't like tattle on them, basically. Then eventually, by the end of the play, Titus Androticus kills his own daughter, but it's not like mean, it's more like he's releasing her from the burden of like her suffering and having lost her chastity, which is something she had prized very greatly. Um, and I was trying to figure out a way to make sense of that in the context of the movie, and I was having a little bit of trouble Yeah, with like it. when he fed her to her, her mom. That's definitely just like what you said. Oh, uh, since I forgot to mention it, even though in my mind I was decided that I was going to say it and then I didn't say it because somebody interrupted me and told me I was doing a bad job. This is going to be full of a lot of spoilers, especially considering I wrote an entire synopsis of this entire movie. So go watch the movie or don't, but you're going to learn about this movie. So we've got Nicolas Cage married to a woman who we learn has cancer, which is the Wiccan ritual in the first place. The daughter's outside begging the gods to- She's also, in, in every one of these, no matter what else she's asking for, she's always asking to be set free or like to escape. So like even in this one, she's like, let me go, but also take care of my mom's cancer and don't let it come back. Like, I don't know if, what the significance of that is because it comes up more significantly later, but like she does, she mentions it in this part too. That's true. But then by the end, she like refuses to leave. So, um, and there was also a whole triangle thing going on. I don't know if you saw that when they first show the daughter, she has, first of all, purple nice. streaks in her hair, which as far as I'm concerned is the color out of space is purple. That's what I saw. But she's also got a hair clip in. It's like an outline of like a wire triangle and the camera kind of focuses on it. And then later in the attic, we see that they have a very, very triangularly shaped window in the attic as well. So there's some kind of significance to triangles. I tried to look it up a little bit. And the only thing I could really come up with was that this is actually intended to be part of a trilogy. From what I saw, They're, they plan on making two other movies sort of in and around the surrounding areas. Well, we have um, a theme right now, don't we? How many times have we went, that's supposed <laughs> to be a part of a trilogy, like recently, and then been like, but that's it. It's not. Maybe this is a, like a trequel to Nightbreed and Demon Knight. Maybe they're all connected. We'll make a fan-made video that makes them all connected. So it's Nicolas Cage, his wife, the daughter, who's, I guess, like an emo Wiccan. We've got also another son who, I'm not sure what his deal is. He does some kind of audio editing. He's like really into space. I think the idea is that he listens to like, he listens to space. Why does his bedroom wall say, no flesh will be spared? What does that mean? I'm going to assume that's probably some kind of metal song. Fair enough. And then there's Jack. The little boy with, yeah. he had glasses, right? <laughs> Were you like, he had some kind of disability. What was it? What was it? Glasses. <laughs> he had something on his face. I was like, so I think, was like, I think that's the only one that's wrong with it. Where are you going? Um, but yeah. They have a family dinner. Um, it's super forced. I feel like the Nicolas Cage and the kids are sort of putting on an act to sort of make the wife happy. Nicolas Cage made cassoulet, which is like a classical French peasant dish. And the daughter is just really pissed off. She's like, I want to eat McDonald's. And he was like, well, I made you something Well, good. they like reference like the mom was the cook and the dad's not the cook. And he's trying to take over um, in that aspect, which like leads back to the thing that I was trying to say where like, I don't think he like really worked before this even. And the mom's the breadwinner though. Like that's just facts. Like she's still working even like stock She does something related. like, rem- yeah, remotely. Yeah. No, it was stocks because they show her like screen and she's like talking about the market going up and down or something. And she's like freaking out because her Wi-Fi keeps cutting out. Yeah, like because it's like he's just doing this to get 
back at his dad, Nicolas Cage's character, uh, Nathan. Oh my god, some classic Nick Cage moments come out of this though. One of my one of my problems with this was his character was boring as fuck for like the first hour of this movie. I'm like, what was the point of casting Nicolas Cage in this movie to have him be like a boring old man? Where's Nicolas Cage? Like, where the fuck is he? And then, and I wrote this down. At the 57 and 32nd minute mark, he goes full fucking Nicolas Cage. Now, I couldn't be more happy. I was super satisfied with that. Because, like, from then on, he's, like, full steam Nicolas Cage, like, right up until the well, end. Well, there's, like, a moment while he's still boring. I don't think it was, like, that far into it where, like, him and his wife are talking. And he imitates his father and does this weird voice where he sounds kind of like this. Like, you're never going to be a pain. Nobody imitates anyone with that voice. <laughs> <laughs> Family. All right. So back to the plot. They have this really awkward dinner. The daughter's obviously upset that the mother's sick. And I, I couldn't tell. Is the mother recovering or is she currently sick? Because it's not so mentioned, but it also, on my second watch through, it sounded like she said to keep the cancer from coming back when she was doing her ritual. And I don't know, because the mom's still kind of sickly. So maybe she was in and then there remission? Was, I think that's what it is. Or like she had surgery, because then there's the whole scene later. Where they start to get intimate and she's like worried about what her body looks like. And I'm assuming that means there's like surgery scars. Like if it's like breast cancer, then maybe her breasts were removed or something. Because he responds with, you know, I'm a leg man. This is still part of the dinner. This is like right after it. So it's not too far jumping ahead. Yeah, no, right after the dinner, they go to bed. And, um, and Nicolas Cage and the wife are finally getting frisky for yeah. the first time in like six months. And she's like, oh, how I've missed you. <laughs> and then there's this big fucking bright white purple light outside and they just keep on fucking for like five minutes before like nobody... that even happens the kid's computer screen gets disrupted with this like he's like looking into space on his camera i think he's like talking to his dog he's like oh you like looking at black holes i think that's what he says there was a lot of stuff that like they didn't bat an eye like there were no red flags for anybody for shit that was like obviously really weird then something happens. The meteor crashes finally. The sound comes to a crescendo, loud enough for Nicolas Cage and Julie Richards to actually like stop having sex. And the little boy's in the hallway, and like the way it was filmed, I thought he disintegrated for a minute, but he was just really upset. No, he's dead. I was like, wow, they killed the kid off early. And um, they like go outside. They see a meteorite. Nicolas Cage keeps commenting on the smell of it, which I thought was a little weird because nobody else commented on the smell of the meteorite like the entire time. Even when they get back in the house, he rubs whiskey in his nose. Because he'd rather smell that. Yeah, plus he has a drinking problem. And um, everybody's like, stay away from it. And they're like, oh, is it valuable? Which gave me like that momentary nod to the super awkward scene where Stephen King finds the meteorite in Creepshow. And then it turns everything into like oh, I know, right? Like I was expecting him to touch it and have something happen to him. But apparently they didn't need to. The funniest thing about that Creepshow one was that he like touches the meteorite, pulls his fingers back, and he's got like these weird nasty blisters on his finger. And he's like, I know, I'm going to yeah. put these in my fucking mouth. Well- also, can we can we bring up the fact that like the day night cycle in this movie makes no sense? No, they comment on that at one point. They they said that the time acts different around the meteor. Yeah. Like time is like irrelevant the way but it'll just be like it'll be it's nighttime and then all of a sudden it's morning and then like it also seems like nobody ever sleeps. Yeah, because like you get the impression that it's kind of compressed into like one yeah. twelve hour period, even though it shouldn't be. So the next day they have like the police there. The surveyor. The surveyor's comes back. back right? The police are there. Now, I don't know if this is where it was. I don't remember when it is. I think it was this part. But the surveyor is reading a book called The Willows. 
And I looked that up. Yeah, I was wondering what that, what was that? It's one of the books that inspired H.P. Lovecraft. It was an inspiration for him, like the author of that book. So that was like a little nod that they threw in there. Was it by Algernon Black Blackwood? Algernon Blackwood? Is that like a real person or are you just making up names? No, I'm looking like it up. It says a novella by an English author, Algernon Blackwood, originally published. Oh, then yeah. So I, I think that I think there's a few more references like that in the movie, like scattered throughout, like literary ones. But that one I looked looked up right away because I was like that they displayed the book super prominently. So they all come back. Um, oh, because that's when he's like sitting out in the woods and his car starts turning on all on its own. And the police are there investigating it. Um, the mayor is there, and she apparently is just like she. They were she trying was to fucking mean man. She was yeah, mean. she was like, you should have sold it to me when you had a chance, huh? I was for a minute. I thought she was like Demi Lovato, but I don't. I have no idea who that actress is. Which I also thought would have been weird, but I was like, whatever. This movie's weird as fuck anyway. So <laughs> yeah, like, can we just point out that Tommy Chong was in it as like the hermit in a shack, and he had a cat named G Spot. Um, you don't need to point it out because in the movie they make a direct reference to how awesome it is that he has a pussy named G Spot. That's what I'm saying. I was also like, <laughs> there's a lot of weird forced kind of moments. Like this movie is good, but it's like just weird. Like why? Tommy Chong being there in general was forced as fuck. That was just weird. That was a weird cameo. That was well, a weird person. Not to only pick that, but the, the the water the, the water surveyor seems to have like this weird authority that I don't think they have in real life. Uh, it also, isn't it like kind of implied that he's still a student at one point? So like, but it's just like they're like, all right, come here. We gotta we gotta go to this guy's house. You gotta meet him for no apparent reason. Yeah, I wasn't really clear on that. I guess he was just doing like like a what's your opinion of the water? And Tommy Chong's sitting there like drinking like red brown, darkly tinted water, like just from nature. This is awesome. But um I love the part where he goes, the water's a little brackish, and I'm like, one, don't drink that. Like that was enough of a selling point to not drink it. <laughs> and then the other dude's like, maybe it's rust. And he's like, all right, two, still don't drink that. <laughs> <laughs> How bad could it be? The word brackish is never used with like good speaking of things that are never used with like good connotations can you like tell me one movie where there was a well that wasn't a source of like pain and horror because this movie had a well and one of my favorite lines comes up with the well later but orson wells war of the worlds you know hg wells wrote that right who's Orson? whatever like we always have to do this let's go (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the, I guess it's I guess they slept because the next morning um, Nicholas Cage notes a bunch of like new flowers that had sprung up around the property, and he says to the wife, "Oh, did you plant those?" And she's she like, says "No, they I don't." Must be perennials. Yeah, right. Like I don't know. I don't know where those came from. And then it kind of like the next important thing I think after that was when she was making dinner, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, she's like chopping up a carrot, and she starts getting in this sort of daze. They do imply that this is another day with the way that Nick Cage talks about it, but it's so the the time scale in this is so weird. It's either that or like there's entire days in this movie that are referenced and it's like a 30 second scene. And like why? I think they were trying to maybe mimic the way time was weird for them by making it weird for us. I feel like it might have actually been intentional. Okay. But um yeah, she's cutting it and he is watching the news. And apparently is is very full of himself because he's really upset as the news people are kind of like making. Oh, when he's fun watching of him. himself on the news later, 
where he's like, yeah. why didn't somebody give me a fucking comb? And they're like, local man spots UFO. And he's like, I never said that. It's a meteor. Which is weird, because why would the news jump to that? I, I guess also, though, the mayor hates him, and she is trying to get him to move away, so maybe that's some of it. But, I mean, the interview is the interview. People would see what the interview is. If he's saying meteor, where are they getting UFO from? I love the color in this movie, though. The purplish-pinkish tone that's supposed to represent, I don't know, everything. I like that color. Yeah, no, they did a couple of cool shots with, like, showing the full light spectrum shining off of things. It was, it was very... Um... It was weird because it was a movie that was kind of visually muted, but also really like vibrant at the same time. Yeah. Well, I think it was just meant for like the moments when the alien is there. So it's like Mm -hmm. this bleak place and then the color of space shows up. And in those moments, it's real bright and colorful, but like that's when shit goes down. In the short story, they describe it as a color that doesn't exist on our light spectrum. But I understand that making a movie, it would be impossible to make a color that doesn't exist on our light spectrum. So... (laughs) 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 <laughs> Not if they did it in black and white and they just implied it. So making dinner. Making dinner. He is complaining and he's demanding his wife come and watch him get made a fool. Don't know why. Uh, so then he eventually, after she ignores him because, you know, she's busy making dinner, he sends the youngest boy, Jack, to go and get her attention. And then when he goes up to her and he goes, Mom, and touches her sleeve, she's cutting carrots. And then seemingly in a daze, just chops off the first two digits of her, her first two fingers. Yep. Or the first knuckle on her first two. I don't know the right way to phrase that. The top of her fingers. But what's weird is because they, they, she keeps chopping, though. So it's like, I thought she was chopping off more fingers at first. Like, I'm uh, two wasn't enough. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Because she's just still chopping. Just in days, I'm like, oh, she must be chopping the rest of her hand off. I'm like, this is where the movie's going to go full batshit, but it doesn't yet. It stays a little subtle still. Um, And Jack screams, mommy hurt herself. Nick Cage is like, what happened? And then she pulls up her hand and she's like, dinner's ready. But it's not, because those carrots are raw as fuck. Was she giving them raw carrots? Like I fucking like, laughed out loud when she <laughs> held up her like finger stumps and said, dinner's ready. I was just dying. <laughs> so then Nicolas Cage takes her to the hospital, which uh, they mentioned it earlier when, when Jack, the youngest son, was sort of in shock after the initial like meteorite crash, because the wife wanted to take him to the hospital. And he said, no, no, it's like an hour away. And she's like, I don't care how far it is. Um, so we know that once they go to the hospital, they're going to be gone for like the foreseeable future because um, she has to get Which, fingers again, reattached. This is, another, this is another scene in the movie that fucked with me day-night-wise day because they are at the house. It's dinner time. It's dark outside. They're leaving to go to the hospital. It's light outside. Yeah, I was really fucking confused by that, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I, I, I did not know what was happening for some of that, because I'm like, how the fuck long have they been driving? This isn't in real time. It's not like I'm watching like an hour of the movie and they're driving to the hospital the whole time. Well, not only that, though, it's, it, because it's not just that scene, though. It's not just the it's daytime while they're driving, but nighttime when they leave. It's also make sure the llamas get, or sorry, alpacas get put away before 10, <laughs> feed and put them away before 10. It is dark while they're standing outside having this conversation. It is then daytime, and the sun is pulling the llamas to the field where they eat. The sun's this like part I already, just keeps changing. I already fed the llama. Uh, fucking llamas, man! Why did you say llamas? 
Uh, Toe dog, same animal pretty much. The kid's like, I already fed the alpacas. And she's like, well, what are they doing here? Put them in the barn. And at that point, I was kind of confused. I was like, did they drink the water? And now there are like alpaca clones running around the yard. Do they have like two times as many alpacas? This is shortly after this is where they decide that there's something happening with the time in the area. So I think that was the alpaca thing was just like times fucked up when they came back Um, because he did it. He did all the stuff he was supposed to. And then then it was all weird. But um. So I think that's just related to the time thing, but it was just, it really messes with you hard because everything, it's like back-to-back scenes and then one it's daytime, one it's nighttime, then it's daytime again. And like when the parents are coming back, like, was this a whole, they said it's an hour away. And then like, I guess she had a whole ass surgery in that time and then came home, but they imply it's like the same day, but it's daytime again. And it's like, I don't know, the movie, I was like, like are you, yeah, are you telling me they reattached her fingers and like drove two hours all in a matter of like before bedtime like i i don't yeah because then he gets home and he's like i told you to have them put away so like it's implying it's the same night that she went had her fingers reattached and came home but the day night shift happened twice in that time period at least minimum if the movie was going for being like disorienting to sort of mimic what they were going through it really worked because none of those time streams made sense like in any way shit there's something before that that i wanted oh (laughs) It's not it's not like an important thing, but I just thought it was funny because uh, Nicolas Cage is like obsessed with these alpacas. Like this is like his future. Like he's given up on painting to become an alpaca farmer as they're the animals of the future. And like everything he's doing is also like really weird where like the one part he's like, yeah, don't you guys you guys just wait till you have that alpaca meat. And they're like, you don't nobody eats alpacas. And the daughter like goes off about how you're supposed to just like make sweaters out of them. And then. Then he milks it. <laughs> I'm like, what? I had to look up if you even could milk an alpaca, and apparently you can, but A, it's ex- it's extra high in lactose, which makes it funnier when the dude's like, I'm lactose intolerant, because I'm like, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, so it's it's even worse if you're lactose intolerant to have alpaca milk. And then B, it was like, the yield is so small, and the nipples are hard to get to, that it's pretty much not worth it. <laughs> I tried a new lactose-free milk. It's pretty sweet. Was it alpaca? Uh, but I don't know. I I just I loved the scene where he's milking the alpaca. The water again. The on the apparently he's also slash detective, water hydrologist, whatever the guy, and he's standing there with them. And he's like, "You ever have alpaca milk? I'm lactose intolerant." And then Nick Cage just chugs it straight from the little cup that he's milking it into because clearly it's not making a lot if what he's using is a cup to catch it. Yeah, and he was not full Nicolas Cage yet, because full Nicolas Cage would have just fucking went underneath that alpaca and squirted the teat right into his mouth. Oh, yeah, for real. <laughs> and, like, laughed the whole time. He's like, oh, yeah, we're getting out. But, yeah, like, that scene, I was just like, what is this? <laughs> I I genuinely had to look up if you could even milk them, because I wasn't sure. <laughs> I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? Uh... <laughs> Apparently. Apparently, according to this movie, yes. Well, I guess there's there's people that do. Wherever alpacas are from, is it Peru? They do. But like, because you can get cheese, the cheese is supposed to be good. But it's like, just get a cow. I heard that alpacas have a spitting problem. That's llamas. Maybe also alpacas. They're the same animal in my mind. Well, I know camels do, from what I've heard. I never like asked a camel if it has a spitting problem, but... You ever been spit on by a camel? It's hot. I don't think I've ever been in close proximity to a camel. Oh, 
I rode when I was a kid before I realized zoos are horrible places. Yeah, no, they, they are not. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, let's see. Then there's that weird scene where Jack, the little boy, is like outside looking at a bug. It's like a weird purple bug that we get sort of an extreme close-up on. It had like raspberry eyeballs. Like bugs already have a bunch of eyeballs. There's no need to make the bugs' eyeballs like more insane, but they did. They decided that it needed to have a bunch of bubble eyeballs now instead of just like a million eyeballs to begin with. Didn't it have some kind of weird, um, like had a purple tentacles coming out of its mouth or something? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like its mouth had its like regular like pincers, and then it also had little tentacle things coming out. I wonder if those were like references to like, well, no, never mind. I was gonna say Cthulhu, but in reality, Cthulhu is like not even that much of a thing in H.P. Lovecraft. Well, the Call of Cthulhu is like, like one book. Yeah, no, but I mean, it's like only one book. Most of most of H.P. Lovecraft is short stories. He didn't really do a lot of sustained stories. It's mostly short stuff. <sighs> but no, I loved that little bug. I thought that thing was awesome looking. And it had like terrifying like tail spike thing. But uh, I think that's like the first the the first glimpse you get of what the water will do to like a living creature. Because there's a cat. Is the cat before that? The cat is when the parents are coming back. They see the cat. Oh um, yeah, they see the cat. All freaky looking. It's like a sphinx really cat. Really badly. Yeah, yeah, but it's like not well. I did not like the CGI on that one. But no, I I looked up like at the same time they did. Oh really? But um, let's talk for a minute about how because I wrote down that at the fifty-seven thirty-second mark, Nicolas Cage goes full Nicolas Cage. He starts like yelling at people like, but he's, he's yelling in the same voice that he was using to do like a disparaging impression of his father. So was he like supposed to be morphing into his father? Cause like his skin started to get really scaly and aged too. I think that was the idea, I guess. I don't know. Cause it really messed with me because there's like great moments with it. Like, honestly, like this was, this was a plus work from Nick Cage at this part. Um, because, like, the scenes where he would, like, lose his shit were... Let's give a few examples of, like, full Nicolas Cage. Like, what do we mean when we say that? Oh, well, no, no, no. Hold on. All right. Well, I don't know. Just, like, being fucking insane, throwing himself around, yelling a bunch, being weird. One of the times it sort of started was with, like, the tomatoes, really. Yeah, but, like, even before that, there's, like, a scene where he, like, yells at his daughter for, like, a little bit. And then changes his entire like demeanor and is like, I don't know why I did that. And he had been really cognizant of language earlier in the film. Like even when the meteor fell, she was like, what the fuck? He was like, watch your language. Even though there's this yeah. giant like purple glowing orb in the yard, he's still concerned with language. And then later he, he, yeah, he's like, I don't know. The fuck do you want? Fucking go away. Fuck. Fuckity fuck. Fuck. And it was just like, yeah. all right. Like, But no, the tomato scene, the tomato scene was, was like probably the perfect example of him Nicholas caging it because those are some big ass fucking tomatoes, by the way. I mean, those things were it, like grapefruits. It's great. Even before he gets to the, the scene in the kitchen, because he's outside picking them and he's just like, Oh, look at you. So beautiful. And a month early and like, just super, I don't know what the fuck he was doing there, but it was weird. <sighs> shit. And then he gets inside and the wife's upstairs and he's downstairs washing his tomatoes. And she comes downstairs because she's having issues with the internet and she keeps losing customers. So like money is now a huge stress in this family because she's moved out there for him and being out there in the middle of the sticks, which I think the mayor's the one who references it at one point. Like 
he complains about something when she's there with the water or the meteor situation. She's like, well, you wanted the life and the sticks, right? And so that comes up again when it comes related to like the internet stuff. But um, she's having an issue. She can't hear a customer. She comes down to complain about it and asks him to fix it. And he just starts chomping into these tomatoes and just yelling about how he's done everything right. And they still taste like shit. And she's having a separate <laughs> conversation with him that he's not listening to. And he's just going off, throwing the tomatoes, and then he starts slam dunking them into the garbage can. And I think there's peaches, too, because I thought it was really weird because I didn't understand that because I thought it was just tomatoes. But he's in the garden picking them. And he's like, oh, look at these tomatoes and how great a month early. And then he just yells peaches. And I just thought that was like, I didn't think I thought I thought he peaches. was just like, cool, peaches, like like peaches was meant like this is good shit. I don't know why. <laughs> but, peaches grow on a tree right yeah i also didn't see also the tomato plants were all purple i don't know if you noticed that no i didn't notice that but that makes perfect all the leaves sense, on the yeah. on the all the leaves on the tomato plants were purple why would they be that big a month early like that doesn't make sense like Huge logically tomatoes like steroid tomatoes like they probably tasted like the smell that he can't stand yeah so he finishes his whole little freak out on the tomatoes and then the wife has hers I swear to God, she had a man voice when she yelled at him at that point. Because it scared me. I was like, what? She's like, just fix the fucking Wi-Fi. And he just is like, oh, yeah, you know what? I really should get on that, shouldn't I? (laughs) (laughs) Completely calm, completely different demeanor. Just like, yeah, 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 I should do that. Well, that kind of makes sense. Like, if time is not necessarily an issue, then they might, I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of, like ghosts of the past sort of situation going on there like i felt like that was the perfect scene i don't know they both went a little crazy but like just i don't know i i laughed i laughed pretty hard when it just went from like zero to 60 and then to zero (laughs) Uh, i did feel bad for all that fruit that he wasted though because he's taking these weird massive bites just spitting it straight into the sink this movie had a lot of like layers and echoes and shadows and we're going to get into that a little bit later yeah Um, oh um there's like i think it was around this point i think i literally wrote down that he like like started becoming like a jack torrance type character and was there like an alcoholism vibe is that what you mean with jack that's yeah well there was that yeah but then also just like the complete split in his personality where one minute he was loving his family and the next it was like are you gonna hurt them i don't know if i got the vibe that I don't know if I got the vibe that he was going to hurt them. I don't know. Well, I mean... Got more like the vibe that he was going to like hurt himself, you know? I guess. I don't know. It just reminded me of The Shining, like parts of it, when he was running around drinking. Um, especially like at the end, when the, the people come into the house, and they're all like, where's your family? He's like, they're right there. We're not there yet. But yeah, that was... Maybe he saw them, because the guy sees them later. But um, I love the thing, though. Do you guys want a drink? I'm having one. <laughs> I know. Yeah, there's definitely like, alcohol. There's definitely <laughs> alcoholism references because I think the wife also talked shit about it too at one point earlier in the movie. Yeah, she was like, "That's how you're going to handle this." Yeah, that's right. It was like, "Well, how else am I supposed to?" Yeah. Um, this actually reminded me a lot of. Um, did you ever read Absalom, Absalom by William Faulkner? No. It was about like echoing stories, and you know how like sometimes you close your eyes or you think about something and it's like something that happened 10 years ago, like happened a couple days ago and you just, you're still pissed about it or something. So you're thinking like, this is one of those movies where like, there's a story in the past when they were in the city and they just 
unlike most movies that do that, there was zero just playback to it, but except for like these weird echoes. Well, because like the most guys movies, there'd be like a scene where they go back to it, and it's like them fighting over like some dumb shit or something. No, I think it was just like the concept of like multiple time streams and like hanging over each other, and like even though his father was dead, he can't get the voice out of his head even before the fucking meteor falls, and then that just like you know like it plays on him even more once they start getting like affected by the thing but in absalom absalom yeah. there's a great line where it says the past is never dead it's not even past and that reminded me a lot of kind of the feeling that the feeling that i got toward the end of this movie in terms of how time was sort of folding in on itself but um let's move on to the i guess what starts with hearing the alpacas screaming in the barn yes this is awesome. This is more great practical effects in this scene, not CGI. There was no way to watch that. Think, was it practical or was it CGI? Parts of it were practical. The explosions from the shotgun, that was well, that yeah, was CGI. Obviously. But there CGI was no way to watch this. Yeah, I hate CGI. Not in this, but in, together. There was no way to watch this and not think about the scene with the fucking dogs from The Thing. You know, John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Where yeah. the the thing goes into the room and it's like sort of absorbing the dogs and or well I guess it is technically absorbing the dogs and creating this giant mass of like Super the multi dog. dog yeah like mega dog, um, and this is the mega alpaca scene, which they don't show it in any graphic detail at first. It's like Lavinia and what's the stoner kid's name? Benny. 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 All right, so Lavinia and Benny hear like a weird sound. They go out to the barn and they see the alpacas and they're like horrified and they run away from the barn and we don't see it yet. Then the mother. No, Lavinia doesn't go out with him. She goes out. He goes out with Jack. Jack and him go out because Jack and him are sitting on the porch when they hear the noise. Lavinia's inside doing weird shit. Oh, right. Jack and Benny go outside. That's when fucking Lavinia's inside, like cutting herself with a box cutter and like. What word was she carving into her hand? It was some kind of word. It looked like glove, but I don't think it I was glove. I couldn't read it because it was mostly, I, I thought she was just carving like weird runes into herself. But no, yeah, she's inside doing like another witch ritual. Jack and Benny are outside like watching. I don't know. They just kind of stare at this well a lot. And then they hear the noise and the mom hears the noise as well. And then so Jack and Benny go over to it and they see the alpacas and the alpacas are like scaring the shit out of them. They don't even run away though until the like, alpacas start like creating lightning bolts coming from them or whatever the fuck that's supposed to be because mm-hmm. it's like somewhere between lightning bolts and tentacles and it starts to like shoot that towards them and they start to run but then the mom bumps into them and she grabs the little son and she's like what's going on and then they both get hit by it whatever it is and then that leads to like the most uncomfortable scene of the whole movie i guess because they don't show them at first they don't show them the mother and jack are like I know, just it. the weird noises that are coming from them. There was actually an episode of X-Files that did exactly the same fucking thing. There was a couple like making out when this like weird wave went by and they were fucking fused together, like kissing each other. Fingers coming out of the back of somebody's head and their other friends said, and they're like, ah, oh, what do I do now? Um, so this has got to be like, like, does this stuff, is did H.P. Lovecraft really affect all these other things then? Because like... No, I can tell. I mean, I didn't finish reading the story because honestly, I don't really like H.P. Lovecraft. I find his narrative style to be sort of dry and boring. Yeah, the most I've ever done was listen to it, and it's always hard to listen to. Lavinia didn't even exist in the story. 
No, but I meant like like has like everybody quotes H.P. Lovecraft as being an inspiration for a lot of horror stuff. I don't and know I'm where you get if, that like, from because I've never heard that. Really, it's weird. H.P. Lovecraft's one of those names that people love to say, like H.P. Lovecraft, but he's really just some I've like heard weird that guy. He's the inspiration for all of modern horror. He wrote a bunch of short stories that were mostly ripoffs of Edgar Allan Poe, and then he died before he hit forty in the same town that he was born in. I feel like this is like those weird things where it's like two diverging like histories of things. We both learned them different, you know, just like how everybody is meant to believe that Thomas Jefferson was like this great and like intuitive man who didn't rip off John Locke. I'm not saying H.P. Lovecraft is like totally terrible, but he definitely read Edgar Allan Poe. No, I'm not saying he's a good person. I'm just saying, I'm just saying what I've been taught growing up is that he was like the inspiration for most heart. And I'm just saying, because then you're like referencing things that are like, oh yeah, this is like the scene from this other horror thing. And I'm like, well, maybe it actually is true. And then you're like, never would it be true. I didn't finish reading the story, so I don't know if the fusion scene is actually even in it or how many of the characters like existed there, because Lavinia did yeah. not. So it could yeah. be any number. Okay. I was, I was all I was saying. I was just saying. Maybe the guy that directed this just really loved the X-Files. I don't know. <laughs> Your references and things that I was taught as a child. That was all I was saying. Why were people anyway. teaching you about H.P. Lovecraft as a child? Like, I, it never came up. Literature. <sighs> Anywho. Shut up. My high school wasn't Brown University. Anyway. Nobody's high school was Brown University. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's was. <laughs> yikes um anyway okay so they see it the mom and the dad or the mom and the son become one which had already seemed like the littler brother was already like up her butt and now oh i think the great scene from that though the great part of that was when uh the video comes out just to comment on it and she's like it's like she's absorbing him back into her (laughs) it's like oh gross that's that's one way to look at it It was like referencing that like thing that all parents did when you were younger, where it was like, oh, I, I can put you back where you came from. You're like, gross. Please don't. But he's like fused in her back. Like his face is sticking out of her back. And neither one yeah. of them can like formulate a sentence after that. I also love that the, 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 the son's just gone from this point on. Like that is a, an animatronic for the rest of the movie that plays him. But the mom is still there. Yeah, because well, her, her face is like more. I actually like looked down for a minute and at one point it like got up, I think to attack the daughter or something. And I was like, why is the statue so pissed off? Like <laughs> well, I had to rewind it. I thought it was like some kind of like statue from the garden that was like attacking her. That's farther. And at that point it does become CGI or uh, not anybody, not uh, CGI plus whatever. Um, so anyway, so the dad comes outside and his first thought is we got to take these guys inside. Like, not we should find help, not any of that, because help doesn't, he doesn't start looking for help till the next day. Well, maybe the next day. Again, it's daytime again, all out of, out of nowhere. So it goes from nighttime to daytime again. Um, the mom and the brother are inside. Nobody knows what to do. The dad goes outside, and then he can't, nothing works. The car doesn't work. Phones don't work. He can't get help. So they were kind of like screwed. Okay, I was waiting to see if you were going to comment or anything. Oh, no, I was it. looking at the uh, synopsis of the story to try to see if the fusion thing was there. Oh. 
I don't think he even had a daughter in the story. I think he had three sons, and basically the wife just locks herself in the closet. None of that shit happened in the book. Really? Nice. Yeah. It's the other way around. So apparently Richard Stanley... this. Yes. (laughs) (sighs) Um... So yeah, Nick Cage, he's he's full crazy. He's trying to get help, I guess, but like nothing's working for him now. Um and the oldest son What part are we at? Did we talk about like how after he... they're fused together and they bring him inside. Alright, did he move him to the attic yet, or did we not cover that? No, 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 not yet. That doesn't okay. happen just yet. That is that happens after he tries to get help, I'm pretty sure. Like they bring yeah, that happens after because they bring him inside. And they're on the couch, and uh, it's daytime again, obviously. Of course it is. Uh, Why the fuck wouldn't it be? (laughs) And then um, Nick Cage is outside. He's trying to get his car started. It's not started. And then he comes in with like a a classic Nick Cage line, and he's all, well, car's not happening. Um, And they're like, what does that mean? And he's just like, everything's broken. Or I Never mind. He explains what happens. When he's in the car, he goes full Nicolas Cage. And he yells cocksucker like 25 times and like starts punching everything in the car. It was amazing. There you go. I kept waiting for this to turn into mom and dad and have him just murder his kids. Yo, for real. I got real mom and dad vibes too at parts of this. Like at least flesh eating mom's parts. <laughs> like it was all there. Everything was there. Um, so yeah, he tries to start everything. Nothing works. And he's like, well, I guess the power got sapped out of the battery somehow. And that's why the phones and the Wi-Fi and car doesn't work this is where i started to feel like he was turning into jack torrance because he was like full on losing his mind but like still uh, like there enough but like he really became someone else at this point it was really weird he was just like super raging and then super chill like the next yeah but it was like happened a lot more at this point in the movie can i also just point out the note i wrote for when the mom and dad get or sorry when the mom and son get fused together um i wrote super metal I bet she just wishes she had cancer now. <laughs> uh, well, how about, well, I mean, I guess I, I think they make a reference to the cancer somehow. I wonder if this is a metaphor for cancer anyway, because uh, <laughs> later they not later, but like in the same time span, but different time span, they show the sheriff and apparently the water, the hydrologist who is very involved in politics and also the police somehow and the sheriff's like hey come look at this because you're a water you're a waterologist so maybe you know about biology look at this melted (laughs) mass of things that we found and he's like it looks like they have radiation like poisoning some deer some rabbits there was a cat in there yeah there was like uh, g-spot was in there yeah but like radiation references and then she had cancer and then the weird deformation things that are happening mm. to everyone that could have been like, I feel like it's not true. That's probably not what it is, but you could have, you could add some kind of like context to like the horrors of cancer in there. And it also brings up kind of the euthanasia concept. Cause Nicholas Cage shoots all the alpacas in the head when they get morphed into a, like a mega alpaca, which I wish he would have like directed more of those shots at their head. I don't know why he chose center mass. Like we don't know what the fuck's going on in there. But there was a scene later where the wife's sitting there like with the sun fused to her back and she's like miserable and gurgling and she's like, ah, and he's like, oh, do you want me to get you water? And I'm thinking she probably wants you to get her a bullet. No, 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 no. That's not who it was. This all right. So we've jumped ahead again. So it's, um, it's nighttime. They, this is when after they're downstairs and they realize that the sun is hurting them 
that again, another thing with cancer, sun causes cancer. Anyway, um, <laughs> they realize the sun is burning them. So they drag them upstairs and they have her put the mattress down. They lay them down on this mattress in this like attic thing. And she, you can hear, they start to like speak, um, words now. Like the sun is sitting there like daddy. And she's saying, I'm so thirsty or something like that. And Lavinia is the one that's like, do you want water? And then they literally get a bowl of water and she laps it up like a dog. <laughs> I don't know why it was so weird. That part was really weird. <laughs> Messing me up. Like, that seems wrong. That's your mom. Even if she is a weird mutant thing. <laughs> like nothing happened for the first like 35 minutes of this movie. And then it just got really fucking weird for the duration. I hate the first part though. It wasn't like too slow. I'm not saying I hated it, but there was definitely a way they could have edited out like 15 minutes of that. Probably. Um, so yeah, they're upstairs and then he references like killing them because he goes outside. The, those, those kids are downstairs and they're listening to all the gunshots and the son's like, Oh, the shooting stopped. I hope he's okay. He comes inside and he goes, all right, I'm going to go take care of your mom now. And Lavinia's like, like he took care of the alpacas and he doesn't say anything. And he just quietly goes upstairs and he puts the gun to her head, but then he can't do it. And let's talk about that kiss. That sweet, sticky, gross kiss. I'm like drawing a total blank on this part. After he goes and he decides he's not going to kill her. He's like, I, you know what? I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to get you help. I promise I'm going to go get somebody. He kisses her on the mouth. And then as he pulled, no, the the wife. He has like this whole heartwarming moment with her weird, gross mutant body about how he's going to go take care of her and he's going to get her help. And um, I think this sets up for later how he decides he's going to take care of her. But um, he kisses her on the mouth. You must not have been paying attention because this was gross. Because <laughs> he pulls away and there's like these sticky strands of like saliva or goo or something on his lips coming off of hers. That's disgusting. Yeah, I don't know how you missed it. That's That was great. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> super gross but um i think after that is when the hydrolysis shows up with the sheriff well they see her horse running away i thought that was cool too because like after they see the dead bodies they decide they're on the way to the family because that's where they found it. it was out by the gardener place was where they found all this mush of animals so the sheriff's like let's go check it out hydrologist guy because once again don't actually understand how he's gonna help the investigation but he was getting brought to stuff I also wrote down a pun from earlier that I'd like to point out. It's what? not great, but when Nicolas Cage was shooting the al- the mega alpaca, I wrote he's playing alpaca mole with a shotgun. Mega like, alpaca? Like whack-a-mole, but alpaca mole. <sighs> and it's funny because it's similar. Whack-a-mole sounds like alpaca mole. That's why it's funny. Oh, yeah, it's a bad pun. Um... So yeah, the sheriff and and uh, Walter are on their way to come. Dude, his name is Ward. It's still Ward. Yeah. I don't know why it's hard to remember that. It's like four uh, letters. They're on the way because they see the, the the mushy animals, so they decide they need to go make sure the family's okay. Uh, I, I don't know how the hydrologist is going to help, but he's on his way too. So they they run out. They see the horse and the seeing um, Lavinia's horse. Lavinia's horse in the first scene of this fucking movie when they show that horse it didn't move for like 50 seconds and I thought it was a statue really 
what is with you with statues in this movie? I don't well, know. Also, I mean, I guess I guess I skipped past that because in the part, like, I guess he's like, we're not going to be able to get help. Again, it's dark now because <laughs> the time schedule doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it was dark and then it was light and then it was dark. So they're going, she's on her way to try and go get help. And she's going to take the horse or she's at least escaping. Um, don't don't Ward and the sheriff go to Ezra's cabin before they go to the gardener's no, house? No, 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 no. That's after they get to uh, the gardener's house. Um, actually, no. We skipped another part. That was great. When they bring the mom in for the first time, before what's her face sees her mom, right? Like it took me like a couple of times before I heard it because I was like, I thought Nicholas Cage's character was talking to his wife, but because she is covered in cut marks and stuff, he looks at her and he's like, "Oh my god, my wife, my son, blah blah blah." And he's like crying and he looks at her. He goes, "What did you do to yourself?" <laughs> but, like it's like a weird break between like tears and what is going. I mean, I would have been confused too. Like, you got all this shit going on, and this girl walks down, like, with like pe- pentagrams carved into her chest. Like, hey, not look what even I did. they're just like weird runic symbols. No, she carved a pentagram into her upper left chest area, like by the shoulder. Oh, that's right, I forgot because it was a really gross scene because she did it with a box cutter. I was like, that's metal as fuck. Yeah, it was like some Clive Barker shit, like for real. Um. So anyway, she and the brother go to they they decide she's gonna ride out to get help. I guess. And apparently he's her little bitch because she's like, go get me my, my tack so I can put it on my horse. She apparently refuses to either A, put away her tack and or put it on the horse. She makes her brother do it each time. Apparently. Oh, is this the part with the well? No, not yet. Because the horse, this is when they're getting ready. And she looks in the horse and the horse has purple eyes. And the horse is like going nuts, but it's not like mutated. It's just like Stay away aggravated. From yeah. So then the horse runs away and then that's when they the, the sheriff and wayne um see it and decide that they need to need to get the rush on anyway what scene with the well you really want to get to the part where the boy and the dog right is that where we're getting at like i don't know when the kid when the kid like the kid yes 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 i think it's shortly after this because uh yeah it's after this because uh, they're on their way but he's gone before the sheriff and them show up he goes to the well and she's all don't go in the well and he's all, but the dog it might be down there. I'll put it in the bucket and you could pull it up. And I'm like, none of this is a smart idea. I One of my favorite lines of the entire movie comes from the well thing later when Nicolas Cage is describing his family sitting in the living room, even though oh nobody's my there. God, yes. He's like, oh, except for Benny. He lives in the well now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I fucking died. Because he said it like so matter of factly. Like, oh, my, yeah, they're right in here. Like, he wasn't Benny. even there to witness it. So, like, there's this other idea, like, this connection from, like, whatever's causing this is, like, linking everybody. Yeah, there was a shared consciousness that comes up. And it, it's more, like, pronounced later. But it's definitely. Oh, yeah. But that part was, like, the, the hint at it coming. So, that was when. So, uh, Ward and. Did I say it right that time? Yeah, yeah, Ward. And the sheriff, because I don't think he has a name. I don't think um, he did. Oh, oh shit! No, never mind. So let's we skipped ahead because after the the dog thing, Lavinia goes inside, and that's when like Nick is done. He's no longer a person. He's like a weird bumbling mess with his big fucking black scaly arms, and he grabs her and he's like, "I fucking told you we're a family. We're gonna stick together or some shit like that." And drags her upstairs and goes, now feed your mother and locks her in the oh, room Oh, he monster. locks her in the room with her, yeah. And so I I thought this was funny because apparently her mom, who was so hungry, because she yells that too, mm. um, 
Apparently she's a really slow eater because there's a lot that happens. Either that or the time warp thing is like super legit. But like she's like over top of her in her face and then they cut and then it's a whole the whole conversation downstairs about the where's your family? They're oh, right that's here. when yeah, that's when Ward and so the 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 well thing happened before that. The boy goes in to get his dog. The well opens up into some kind of weird like light pit down there and just eats him basically. The daughter yeah, goes Lavinia back inside. Back. Nicholas Cage locks her up in the attic with the mother and then Ward and the sheriff show up and they're like, Hey, how's it going? And he answers the door, like total crackhead mode, like scratching his arms. Like, hey, everything's fine. What's, what's the, no, no. He says things haven't been great. <laughs> A little bit of trouble. That's what it was. Life in the sticks. And then they come in and the he, voice all- he was doing at this point was great though. Like, I have no idea what it was. Where's your wife? Oh, she's right here in, in the living room. What about the rest of your family? Oh, they're all here except Benny. He lives in the well now. And then they hear like, oh no, he says like, can I get you a drink? And they hear a scream upstairs and they all run upstairs, Ward and the sheriff and Nicholas Cage is like, well, yeah, I'm going to have one. He's like smiling. Like he's just being a good host. (laughs) Well, he's also watching static, but when he's watching the static, he's seeing like some classic show he watched with his dad. Right. Cause time's folding in on itself. But then Ward and the sheriff get upstairs and they like open the door and they see like the mom Jack mutant monster like slobbering all over the girl. And they're like horrified. They don't know what to do. The cop's just like, I'm going to freeze. And then all of a sudden the mother's head blows up and it's because Nicolas Cage came in with his shotgun, even though he had been saving the mother before. So there's like weird moments of like lucidity that get mixed in with like being controlled because in that moment he was just saving his daughter. And then he walks over to the son. But he fed her daughter. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But then he like went back on that and like, I, I don't know if he like regained consciousness or whatever, but then he puts the barrel of the shotgun to the, the head of the mutated son who's growing out of the mother's back and finishes his him off. I bet the best part though is like the weird break reality he still has because he goes, they're not my family and like laughs and walks away. Yeah, my family's down here. But then like the weird thing is that the guy sees them later sitting on the couch. Oh, I did not notice that part. Well, we'll get to that in a minute, but so Ward runs outside with the sheriff and they're on their way to presumably Ezra's cabin and- Well, no, no, no. They run outside after they save everything and they're like, we got to get out of here. We got to take her to the the car. We got to get her out of here. We got to get out of here. And then they hear a noise come from the direction of Ezra's cabin. And that's when Ward's like, oh, we got to go help him too. But Nicolas Cage comes out with a shotgun. And I was a little unclear on this part because- Nicholas Cage aims his shotgun at what I thought was the well, but they he also kind of, they imply, I guess the sheriff thought he was aiming it at Ward because the sheriff shoots him, that's, but I don't. That's what I, that's what I got from it. Like the first time I watched it, I thought, oh, he's going to shoot Lavinia and, and Ward. But then the second time I watched him, like, oh, he's trying to protect them from the light that's coming out of the well. And the sheriff shoots him in the back because he's got a different angle and it's yeah. he's not seeing it right. Yeah, he was in the house or like just coming out of that. He didn't he didn't see the same thing. Yeah, he just reacted in the moment cuz you know, he just watched this guy kill a mutant wife. But monster. he shoots Nicholas he shoots Nicholas Cage through the back and the bullet comes out of his chest and the Nicholas Cage collapses. Lavinia goes over to him and she's like, "Oh my god, you shot my dad." And she's like sitting there kind of hugging the body and Ward's like, "We got to go. We got to get out of here." And she says, "No. I live here." No one's getting out here. Like she, but she says, I live here. Like she wants to stay the whole time. She'd been like begging for a way to get out. And, and now she, well, I think, I think she's just accepted that like, it's over. Like they're not getting away because then she looks at him at ward and she's like, you're not going anywhere either. None of us are leaving. And he says, we'll come, I'll come back for you. And then he and the sheriff go off to Tommy Chong's cabin, Ezra. And 
they get there and there's like a weird radio broadcast playing. I guess it's Tommy. Chong I can't lie. Recording. I kind of loved the atmosphere of this scene. Oh no, there was a weird effect to everything where it looked like sort of like everything was visually like Velcro. Like it, it looked like it, you know, that feeling you get where you're like, you're just like a, a dream where you're like running through the mud and you can't move fast enough. That was how it looked. Like they managed to capture that feeling in visual form. And I love that. Cause Tommy Chong's like this, like frozen zombified looking statue. Yeah, he was but like way too decomposed. Still, well, no, he was, it still was a recording. Telling everybody what's happened. I know, no, I know. But it's his voice. Is is it's almost like talking in the moment though. That's what makes it weird. Well, the voice was describing like this alien terraforming, basically. They're making the land like it they need it. So the the country the country, the, the planet's being terraformed in the way of like whatever alien race prefers their planet to be this way. That was how that came across to me. Yeah. I just I loved that part. That was great to me. Then they left the the cabin and I I specifically labeled this part as that sheriff got got because they're like running away from the cabin cuz Tommy Chong starts to get like a purple light coming out of his head and Ward's like come on come on we got to go and they're running Ward's in front and the cops running behind him and just gets like picked up by a tree branch and like pulled up into a tree and then gets like mouthfucked by a like a big tree branch. Do you remember this? Yeah. Yeah, there's literally like no warning for it too. It's just like bye. Yep. And that Ward's like, oh, well, I guess he's he's up there now. And he Ward's goes back. just like this one. He's like, fuck this shit. But then he goes back to the house because he wants to try to still help Lavinia. And it's like she gets there. She's being like levitated in front of the well. Like she goes full fucking Dark Phoenix for this part too. And he's like watching her being lifted up and he falls down. The grass so sort of grows up. she's supposed to be like the embodiment of whatever the color of space is or this alien because at this point she's not she's not lavinia anymore but she's still talking sort of like she i don't know she's like become like yeah like what you said like dark phoenix or whatever like i mean if we want to be like really like detailed about it it might not be the color of space it might be the color of wicca maybe her ritual worked maybe that's the thing that came and took her out of that place no no because when her forehead starts to light up and the runes on her starts to light up it takes you to another planet and you get a glimpse of what the world where the, the aliens came from. And the fact that H.P. Lovecraft's horror was never really paranormal, but it was always like aliens and stuff because it was more mm-hmm. sci-fi than anything. That's true. Um, I think like the implication, like because like it's always like this, this inescapable cosmic tar- horror is always like how H.P. Lovecraft stuff's described. I feel like, or like, like in the mouth of madness, how they just like, I know mm-hmm. that's not, that's mm-hmm. Clive Barker or whatever. But how it's like described, like H.P. Uh, Lovecraft just has stuff like that too, where it's it's so uh, horrifying that it completely breaks the mind. I think they actually did that really well in this movie with like everyone as it was happening. So did the Killing Joke. I haven't seen that. No, no, Batman comic. I know. Uh, there's a movie coming out, or there is a movie, an animated one. There's cosmic horror in that that breaks the mind. No, no, the Joker just tries to break Gordon's mind by putting him on like a roller coaster of like insanity. Okay, so he is the cosmic car. Correct. So she goes full fucking Dark Phoenix, Ward falls down on the ground, and the grass at this point is really cool because the grass, which is now sort of purpley or maybe just purple from the light, starts to grow up and sort of like envelop his hand a little bit, which reminded me a lot of when the grass is growing up through the girl's fingers in midsummer when she's first doing yes, the mushrooms. That's what I thought. Like, it's like kind of the first thing that comes to mind, right? Um, Let's see. Oh, we also forgot to just real quick, when Nicolas Cage was taking a fucking shower earlier, 
and he sees this weird sort of like mucus plug in the drain. Do you remember this? It's like Yo, a weird. What really messed me up is because again, I was under the impression that his wife had breast cancer because I the leg I'm a leg man joke and she had cancer and she's no, you're you're right. It definitely and implied the body, that the the body pain she was seeing. And so he looks at it and he picks it up and tell me that didn't look like a silicone breast. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. It definitely kind of gave off a silicone breast. And then it turned into a jellyfish. <laughs> Yeah, it like put it like wrapped around his hand, which I guess was the point that started his whole scaliness on his hands, right? Like no, because he already had that. Did he? A little bit. He was already itching at his arms. Because that was that was after the scene where he's isn't that that's I'm pretty sure that's after the scene where he sits down and he's drinking the whiskey and his skin's all dry and he takes the whiskey and rubs it on his skin. Which what the fuck was that? That was just creepy and weird. Like that, I would. Whose first thought is, oh man, I got a weird rash. I should fucking put. Just a little bit of whiskey on it. I guess that's like his descent into alcoholism because like he first rubs it on his nose. Like somehow this is like a, like a cure-all for anything that's bothering him. It's just like, oh, it's like, remember my big fat Greek wedding where the dad just wanted to spray everything with Windex because apparently that was the best medication according to him. It's oh, like, yeah. It's like that, but with whiskey. All right. Uh, and this is one of my favorite parts. After uh, the girl goes dark, Phoenix, she basically disintegrates in front of the well. Like her body's like ripped to atoms. Um, Ward runs back into the house for some reason, which I don't remember exactly why, but I think maybe some light had been coming out of the well and he was trying to get away from it. But then when he walks into the house and looks in the living room, Nicolas Cage, who had previously been dead, is now sitting in a chair and his eyes have yeah. gone white and he talks in Lavinia's no, voice. It's always purple. The purple is uh, the thing. Yeah, but yeah, he talks in Lavinia's voice. And it's really fucking weird. And Ward freaks out and backs up a little bit from the room and looks back to the room. And you can see the silhouette of the wife the daughter and the sons sitting on the couch. Like they are fucking there. I definitely missed that part because I was way more focused on the amazing corpse walk that Nicolas Cage did to come <laughs> get him. I was like, what the fuck is that? Cause he kind of just waddles his arms side to side. Like I, don't, I can't describe it, but it was like, <laughs> that was the best zombie attack I'd ever seen. Let's call it the Nick Cage zombie shuffle. And Everything had a really cool visual quality here too, because everything was like sort of stretched out. Like it looked like your, his shoulder was being pulled one direction when he moved the other. So it was kind well, of they're this... being sucked into like the vortex that's forming outside from the well. Mm-hmm. Which how, here's my thing: how did how did the rock get into the well? It wasn't there. It hit a different spot, got into the water table. But why does the well become important? I don't. I, I didn't get that. You know, I was I only read the first five pages of the story. And it had this like weird description of the meteor kept getting smaller because it actually opens with like the meteorite lands and it gets brought to the university to be studied. But all the samples they take keep shrinking and like it keeps like melting its way through different containers they put it in until like eventually nothing's left. So it has something to do with like it working its way deeper into the ground. And I guess since the so well- Miskatonic University is more involved in the book than just being a, a sweater reference? Yeah, no, they they talk about how they ran like any number of tests on it. And like, no matter what they did, there was like no definable characteristic or like elemental structure to it. Like they couldn't get any information from it. Because um, it's just a color, man. But so I'm, I'm I'm assuming that the well is important because it's the fastest way down. Okay. But so, I yeah, mean, I, yeah. I got confused at the ending because like, it's like a vortex and is that going to space? No, yeah, I know what you mean, though. Like, the scene where, like, Nick Cage is in there, and they're fighting, and they're, like, being sucked out, it's, like, it, it almost seemed like Nick 
Cage's character was trying to hold on to Ward and like pull him with him. That's what I was thinking was happening. Yeah, basically. Because it wasn't even it wasn't even Nick Cage's character anymore. It was like everybody's character in Nicolas Cage's body. But then Ward, yeah, he escapes down to the basement and the music not music, but there's like this sound, this like vibration, whining kind of buzzing sound that like crescendos eventually until everything just sort of explodes and everything's covered in like white ash and dust. The house is gone. There's a big like circular crater where the house used to be. I originally put in my notes because I was writing them while I was watching it. I was like, oh, and then everything loses its color because that's kind of what they do there. Before I realized like the rest of the world around it was there, but like for like a few seconds, everything was gray. That's true. It gets really washed out. Even even Ward himself, he's just like all gray. Everything's gray. And I thought that was like a good, like the color left or something. I don't know what the symbolism was there, but yeah, I liked that. And then basically it, it over, it comes back with a narrative where Ward is basically, I'm assuming reciting something from the end of the book, but I didn't finish it. Uh, it's it's short story. But he's um, talking about how like the color left or the space left or whatever, but he doesn't trust it still. Yeah. He says like, they put a reservoir here, but like, I would never drink this water. And he's, he's, I guess a few years are supposed to have gone by because he's got some like white hairs in his beard now. And, really um, old. and the last thing before the credits go though, is like a bug flying across the screen that I can only assume is like the same fucking purple praying mantis from earlier. Yeah. Implying that it's still out there, which also feeds into the concept of this possibly being a trilogy. So. So you think they're going to make more? I mean, if Nicolas Cage isn't in it, I probably won't watch it, but yeah. Well, you don't want to watch it where he just comes back and nobody says anything? All right, if they did that, I'd watch it. (laughs) He just comes back. He just plays a completely different character, like a full-on like anthology movie type stuff. Well, they did that in Trilogy of Terror, right? Karen Black played like four different parts, so why the fuck not? Yeah, it's it's funnier that way. It is funnier that way. All right, so what what would you rate it? Honestly, I could only really, in good conscience, give it a two out of four beards. All right. No, I don't. I'm going to give it like two and a half just because like it it had enough weird stuff to make me excited. So at least at the end, the ending, the, the end crescendo was like it was kind of worth it to get I through mean, like the beginning part. There yeah. were parts that were definitely annoying. Some of the CGI was just, just bad. Um. Nick Cage was Nick Cage, so that was good. But there was all there was a lot of loose ends, and also, I mean, I wish they they uh, did something more with the time, other than just confuse the shit out of me. Because they also sometimes implied it was the next day, so you really had no idea what time it was supposed to be in the. Like, did this take place in one day, or did it take place in a month? Like, you can't tell. My biggest problem with it was just that despite all this stuff going on, all this family backstory, I didn't really care about any of the characters. Like, they just didn't sell it to me. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and if anything, they were trying to pitch Ward as being, like, the one that you were going to care about. And then even still, it's just like, meh. He was, like, the character I cared about by default because he wasn't a total fucking freak. Well, he was, he was, they set it up like he was the protagonist and he didn't really have that much screen time. And... He didn't do anything, and I didn't understand why the hydrologist was being invited to do law enforcement stuff so much. Nah, that was just a way of like insinuating him into the story, and that was just because of the way the original story was written. Because he's just basically 
the way it goes in the story is the surveyor comes to see about putting a reservoir in the land. He hears the story about the strange days, which, you know, whatever happened during the meteorite times, which is supposed to have happened like, I guess, 30 or 25 years or so before he got there. And he hears the story and immediately goes back to Boston and resigns his, his, uh, his position. Like he's like, fuck it. I'm out. I'm not going back there. You guys can get somebody else to put this reservoir in because he doesn't want to be. There's a bunch of HP Lovecraft stories that are like that. Because I've listened to them. They are boring. But like, I do think I remember like a bunch of them being like someone goes somewhere and someone else tells them a story. He always did it like a fourth person perspective. That's how a lot of like Edgar Allan Poe stories were too, like Fall of the House of Usher and stuff. But I mean, they needed to find a way to insinuate him into the story and have him experience it firsthand since he wasn't just hearing about it. Honestly, it might've been better if he just heard about it. I don't see- He just showed up to do the survey and they're like, yo, did you hear what happened? Yeah. If they were like, oh, here's, you know, well, they could have shown it as a flashback and had it like basically the same ending because his character, like, let's be honest, his character was basically non-existent. Like he- was there as a plot device. He gave no human emotions like the entire time. He just, he was a very, like Ezra's character was more humanized than Ward's character. Ward's character was just there as like the don't drink the water disciplinarian and like the guy who didn't die. That's it. Like he was there to be the guy that didn't die. The final girl. He's the final girl, I guess. I don't think that really applies to the non-slasher genre though. Sure it does. All right, so that's been another Freaky Fridays. We talked about The Color Out of Space, starring Nicolas Cage, and kind of liked it. So follow <laughs> us on Twitter and Instagram at Bearded B-Roll. It's kind of fun. It's pretty, it's an okay, it's, it's, it's a movie. Definitely a movie. So follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bearded B-Roll, and look for us anywhere you find podcasts. Check out our website, beardedbroll.com, for info and links to merch. And remember to email us with ideas and suggestions at beardedbroll at gmail.com. Good night. Good night. Good morning. Bye. Right. I think it's funny though, is like <laughs> I'm gonna stop the recording though, okay? Okay. That's I thought you were done.